Hello, and welcome to the Thinking Elixir podcast, where we cover the news of the community and learn from each other. My name is Mark Erickson. I'm Cade Ward. And I'm David Bernheisel. Let's jump into the news. The first big news is that there was a new LiveView release. The new release is version 0.18.12, and there is a quick follow-up of 0.18.13, which is just a small improvement. So we're mainly focusing on what's changed in 18.12. This had some big enhancements, a few bug fixes too, but we're just going to go through and talk about some of these enhancements and what we understand about them so far. You know, obviously, we haven't had a chance to really try all this out. Let's talk about it first. Like, okay, so the big one is a new feature called Streams. This is a new feature for efficiently handling large collections. So what do you guys know about this already? I'm hoping that this is going to solve some of the pain points I've had with Live View before. So today there exists like an Appends, there's a PHX, you know, Appends, there's a PHX Prepends. So if you have like a large list of items, you can use temporary assigns to get it all across the wire on that first load, but then it doesn't hold that state in the in the socket, right? That's to help with memory on that persistent connection, right? But then you can only append or prepend. So getting anything like modified in the middle of that list is difficult. If you pub sub subscribe to some topic and it updates the status of some item in the middle of your row, you have to basically write some JavaScript on your own to like figure out how to manage those updates. But Streams looks like it's going to fix this problem, as far as I can tell. There's lots of details here I don't know yet, (laughs) just reading through the docs and the PR. But from what I can tell, it looks like it gets rid of temporary assigns. It gets rid of appending, and it gets rid of prepending. And it's all replaced with a simpler API, thankfully, uh, a simpler API of streaming. So it's still the same kind of thing where you set up the stream and you set up that first bit of like, here's my long list and it renders that over that first render. But then from that point on, you can stream delete and then you pass in some item in there, some data, and there's details around that. You know, we won't dive into that here, but there's, you got to pass in that thing and it, it has to figure out the ID from that thing. So it can find the, the row or the, you know, the rendered object uh, on the client side and mess with it. And you can stream insert from there. You can stream push updates to those things. Anyway, it looks like this is going to solve a lot of issues with managing large collections of things with LiveView. So I'm I'm very excited about this. I'm I'm looking forward to streams. Yeah, I, I I've even seen a little demo where you can use something like a JavaScript front end sortable, like sortable JS, to have your list and be able to drag and rearrange those items that are just in temporary assigns, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not going to be temporary assigns anymore. So it's a significant improvement and change. And it sounds like it's something that's been in the works for a long time. So we really look forward to having some more details and going deeper on this. But there's more in this release. What else we got? So I noticed there was support for allowing replies from handle events. So it looks like some sort of functionality. You kind of have to use your imagination here. I'm sure there was some reason for this, but it looks like you can now respond to hook events. I don't know. I could I could think of a few reasons why you might want to use this, but it sounds like you might be able to integrate better with JavaScript libraries if you're doing something special or just getting information from your backend up to your front end sometimes was a hard thing to solve. And the last one that I wanted to point out is a change to inputs for. So the PR that goes in explains that 
you know, when you would use inputs for and you would loop over some inputs that a lot of times people would forget to add the hidden inputs. And so what they've done here is they've mimicked how inputs for used to be in regular Phoenix templates and made it so the hidden inputs will be added and people don't have to remember to do that. I don't think I even knew that. So I likely would have fallen into that trap. I would have looped over inputs and wondered why everything was broken. Those coupled functions typically allows for these kinds of traps. <laughs> and there are actually some other improvements in this release as well. So we'll have a link to where you can check that out in the change log. And yay, I'm excited about this. All right, speaking of all this Phoenix and Live UE stuff that's been updating, you got to wonder how are all those guides out there doing? <laughs> <laughs> One of those guides by Mike Clark of Pragmatic Studios updated their Phoenix Live View course. So thankfully, <laughs> any new folks that are trying to get on board the Phoenix Live View train, they're not going to be educated on the old blasted stuff. They're going to be educated on the new hotness. So that's always good. But as the forever challenge, I'm sure it won't have streams in there because that just landed. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, really. That's going to be, oh, that's too bad. Oh, well, next next round, I'm sure they'll get it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, if you've been asking yourself what's changing in Phoenix 1.6 to 1.7, Jose Valim created a short gist that is a reference table to how the defaults are changing between the two versions. It's a nice table. Check it out if you're interested in as always, everything here is backwards compatible. You don't have to switch to this stuff. But if you do want to, it's a, it's a very helpful table. And next up, Andrea Leopardi released another of his Proto Hackers video as part of that whole series. And this one is Day 7, Insecure Socket Layer, which covers scalable and reliable UDP, which sounds like something Elixir would be really good at. So yeah, we have a link to his YouTube video there. And... He also covers how to deploy the solution. So that's something where you can get it out on a server, he's deploying it on fly, and then you can play with it over the network and actually see how this stuff works. So that's really cool. Fly.io. It's a great place to run Elixir apps. With many global regions, a private network that makes it easy to cluster your app, and a powerful CLI, it's something you should really try out. Experience it for yourself at fly.io. All right, departing from Phoenix and LiveView kind of stuff, this, if you're using AppSignal, they have released an update for AppSignal uh, that now includes Open tracking. So that's pretty cool. I just right out of the box, right? Yeah, AppSignal always seems like they're improving the you know Elixir side of things, so happy to see this. Well, if you've ever been interested in profiling and you're running a cluster and you want to do it in production, Orion seems like a really cool project for you. It looks like it was a fork and a continuation of a SpawnFest project. Reading a little bit from their readme, they say how they allow you to profile any function in a Beam cluster and get back a histogram representing the profile of the function across the whole entire cluster. Live, low overhead, and it's suitable to run in production. So this seems like a pretty cool project. It looks like it runs on LiveView, so all you have to do is import it, add a route, and you have this nice little UI where you can type in a MFA, you know, a module function in what arity, click run and watch the graphs happen. I wonder how that differs from flame on. I think it does a similar kind of thing, profiling, right? With the flame graph. I don't know. It might be some of the similar, same types of underlying metrics, but a different presentation, different way of interfacing with it. I don't know. It's very cool. I haven't tried it yet. Looking forward to that. And next up, there's a newish security-focused library called Shun. This is made by Avadni Wu, 
who also made Etso, among other things. It is a plug-like DSL for dealing with address-like data, like your eyes or iNet tuples. And you can easily configure to reject or accept or handle with custom logic. So a key difference is that this will also resolve those addresses with DNS, which is helpful from a security perspective because someone could reject google.com but accept the IP address of that, which resolves to google.com. So that can be confusing and it's like obscuring the information, right? So being able to reverse DNS, look up those things is really nice. There's also helpful modules to get started really quickly, like dealing with AWS resources. So awesome, a library shun, check it out. Yeah, hat tip to uh, code code ship for blogging about it. Speaking of libraries, there's another library that was updated called Test Server. <laughs> I wish I knew about this like two weeks ago. But Test Server was updated to work with Bandit. So that's the big update. But if you haven't heard of Test Server, it's created by Dan Schulzer, who also built the POW authentication library. And uh, here's a quote. It says, it's a no fuzz X unit test server to mock third party services. HTTP 1, HTTP 2, WebSocket, and there's built-in TLS with self-signed certificates and plug route matching, end quote. Really could have used that two weeks ago. Gosh darn it. (laughs) (laughs) But now it works with Bandit. So speaking of Bandit, I switched a personal project over to using Bandit, and it went swimmingly. I actually had more trouble updating my other dependency alongside of it. So PSA, uh, upgrade your dependencies separately. <laughs> but <laughs> but Bandit was really easy to, to do. So, you know, not a ton of load. So I don't, I, I can't say I've used it in anger yet, but first impressions are good. Curious uh, if anyone, you know, listening has done it and has, you know, different experiences or just more simple praise like that, that it just works. That's great. Yeah, I'm just looking at this test server. It looks kind of cool. There's there's so many ways to test things. And sometimes I struggle to like, what's the right way? Yeah, like I've set up like simple web server mocks, but they're not typically stateful. They're just like, I prop drill a way to get the response I'm looking for. But I didn't do it. I'm like, I, I was doing some WebSocket stuff recently. And that's totally different, you know. <laughs> that one's that one's harder to mock, so that 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 would have been pretty cool to use a test server for that. So Exorcism IO held a live interview with Jose Valim on Twitch. It was described as a AMA or Ask Me Anything. You can find the hour and a half long video on YouTube, and we'll drop a link to the show notes. They focused on Jose's decision to make Elixir a functional language, and they discussed its evolution. So check that out if you're interested. And continuing on with the exorcism thread here, Gleam is on exorcism now. So there was another Twitch stream by Jeremy that showed how new exorcism exercises are added to tracks. And he added a new Gleam exercise on the live stream. So I have a link to that Twitch video if you want to see Gleam getting added to exorcism, a little insight as to what's going on there with exorcism. All right, almost finished. So we found on Twitter a fellow named Casper Galinsky. Sorry if I mispronounced your name. Shared his Phoenix Live View success on Twitter. He said that he, uh, quote, I'm blown away by Elixir Phoenix Live View again. Yesterday evening, I built a real-time search with zero custom JS using the amazing Live View. I'm really impressed by its power and ease of use. End quote. Always love those little personal stories of how Phoenix and, and Live View... And Elixir really kind of transformed the developer experience here. And so in his Twitter post, he had a, a video of what he built. And I got to say, it is like, it's slick. 
it looks professional. It looks like you went to like Google Maps or something, right? But on top of that, he posted the gist of how he did it. And you'd expect to see like hundreds and hundreds of lines of, of handling this, but it's not. It's like just a couple of short files. <laughs> it's, just, it's just more amazing to me that it just how little code it took. So yeah, we have a link to the gist if you want to check it out. And there's also the site that he's working on. It's uh, travelermap.net. And oh, yeah, go check it out. The, the experience is quite nice. Yeah, it's a little map of national parks, state parks, and others in the United States. The feature he was adding was this little pop-up modal search where you just type in, drop down, filter, you know, live active search, and then jumps you around in the map to the different locations. So you check out the video to see that. But uh, yeah, very cool that you can do all that kind of stuff without having to write a whole JavaScript front end, right? You didn't have to do any of that. Last up, after a four-year hiatus, Impex NYC is now accepting CFPs, and they are going to be happening. It's a one-day single-track Elixir conference in New York City. Have you guys ever been to this? What do you guys know about this one? Ampex New York City was like the original Ampex, right? And then they started to branch out Ampex and say, oh, we can go in other places too. And we even had an Ampex here, Ampex Mountain in Utah. That's cool though, that they're bringing it back to, I believe New York City was the original one, but bringing it back to its roots. Glad to see it's coming back just because, you know, <laughs> with COVID and everyone taking breaks from travel and being in public together and especially conferences, it's really great to see things like this coming back. Yeah. Four four years ago. That was just last year. <laughs> <laughs> so they're accepting CFPs until April 15th. So you got a little bit of time. <laughs> I won't speak for them, but I've seen some chat GPT generated CFPs. Oh, no. <laughs> and quite good. But I wonder, I wonder who we're going to get through the pipeline. <laughs> That's completely chat GPT generated. Oh, gosh. Well, maybe the presentation text will be also generated, so they'll just be up there reading it. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like that that TikTok-style, like, robotic voice. Oh, that'd be so terrible. <laughs> the whole presentation. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for the news. <laughs> 